Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for coming out tonight as we gather together to celebrate the goodness of God, study His Word together, and uh, be changed. The Bible says our minds renewed by the Word of God. So let our minds be renewed so that we can go into the remainder of this week and into the rest of our life living in the victory that He has created for us and operating in the destiny that God has for us. I want to see you succeed more than you want to see yourself succeed, but God wants to see you succeed more than I want to see you succeed and more than you want to see yourself succeed. Let me tell you what, God's got a great plan for us and He's given us the roadmap, He's given us the instructions, He's given us the basis and the understanding of our covenants with Him. And He knows that we're in this warfare here on this earth, so He also gives us the battle plan. And that's one of the things we want to deal with tonight, continuation of last Wednesday night, as part two of breaking the spirit of rejection. Because in the middle of this battle that we're in, the enemy, the Lord knows that the enemy has a strategy, and that strategy has worked for thousands of years, but God's Word will work outwork the works of the enemy. So we need to study God's Word, see what the enemy is doing, what rejection is, how the Spirit works, so that we don't come under its influence and let it lead us, lead us off of the path that God has for us into pitfalls and areas of destruction in our lives. It's such a, maybe not the most exciting subject to study, we're studying the, about rejection, but let me tell you what, when you're free from it and you learn how to identify the spirit of rejection and you don't allow that a spirit back into your life or that lying spirit that comes along with it, then you wanna, you're going to enjoy your life. And let me tell you what. There is, a, there is a life called an abundant life. There is. And in the Lamberts, we tapped into the abundant life. And does that mean we're not under attack? I believe it means we're probably more under attack. But we've learned how to resist the devil. We've learned how. Now, we're not perfect, but let me tell you what. From how I used to live to where I live now, it's like 150,000% better. And uh, if, if, that, if I could even exaggerate with that percentage. But, and, uh, so I'm just, uh, just wanting to encourage everyone to tap into and enjoy the fullness of what God has for us uh, in this day and in this age. So this breaking the spirit of rejection part two. I said last Wednesday, uh, well, let's pray first. We need, we, we're studying divine material. We, we, we're in the supernatural presence of the Lord, and we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Amen. Father God, we just yield our minds. We yield our notes. We yield your word. We yield our spirit. We yield everything now, God, to you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd move and minister and speak that you, I know, Lord, I've been praying in the Spirit, Lord, and I, I, I sense, as I have so many hundreds and thousands of times, the flow of your Spirit. So, Lord, I just want to flow in your Spirit, Lord God. But nothing to hinder, nothing to distract, nothing to take us off course, Lord God, but that we would be able to leave here in the next few moments saying that we truly have been in the very presence of the Lord and we have encountered, Lord God, your divine plan for our lives in this hour. Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Holy Ghost, have your way. Come on, Holy Ghost, have your way. I'm praying a revival would break out in our church like we've never seen before, where we've got to get extra seats on a Wednesday night. We've got to have special Friday night services and special Saturday night services just to get everybody in. I'm praying for a hunger and a thirst for righteousness like, like we've not seen in, in decades in Hampton Roads. I am praying for this region. I'm praying 
for folks that are so comfortable in their life and, and, and they're coming and going and, and, and they're just like God is in the back of their mind, but God is not forefront. God is not first. And uh, you know what? I'm just praying that there would be a hunger and thirst for Him like, we've nev- like I've never seen in my lifetime. I've preached a lot of revivals and we've packed out a lot of places and seen the altars filled and we've seen hundreds and thousands of people come, rededicate their lives to the Lord and get saved. But you know what? I, I want something like I've never seen before. Something that is on a biblical proportion that, and, and that we read about. Because it's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Word of God. He's the same God. And, and, and I know in the latter days there would be a great falling away. And in the latter days there would be those that would uh, run cold. There would be those that would go into the broad way rather than the narrow way. But there are still going to be a whole great... Uh, Bible, the Bible talks about bride of Christ. And I want to I I reach as many in the world as we can. I want to convince as many in the world to, to give their attention to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And I pray the Holy Ghost would change them, transform them from the inside out. They'd get saved, born again, set free, full of the Spirit of God, and living a life for Him rather than themselves. Amen? That's what I'm praying for Hampton Roads. That's what I'm praying over your household. That's what I'm praying over your neighborhood. That's what I'm praying that would take place because we need to see a move of God. Our young people need to see a move of God. Amen? And if we go around with this weight of rejection and this lying spirit on us, let me tell you what, it's going to keep even the church uh, operating a half-mass or operating as though they're just survivors in this world. God wants you to thrive, not just survive, and He wants you to affect the people around you with the victory that you have. So we've got to get this spirit of rejection dealt with. Breaking the spirit of rejection, this rejection is a sense of, comes in and causes this sense of being of unwanted, a sense of being unloved, a sense of being unimportant, a sense of you have no value. You know that straight from the pit of hell. You know that's the devil and his lies, but because that's just the opposite of how God created you and what God has said about you. And, uh, and I know that, that uh, the enemy wants you to think you've never been loved, but let me tell you what. God has stimulated us because the Bible says we love because God first loved us. So don't go around saying you're not loved because let me tell you what, your creator, your God, in 1 John 4, 19 says, I loved you before you loved me. I touched you before you could touch me. I came to you while you were yet far from me. So let me tell you what, God does not reject you. God wants you. God wants to fill you. God wants to do great and mighty things in and through you. So much so, I love what the prophet Ezekiel said as he's recording God's heart. Where God says in Ezekiel 18 and 1, he says, The word of the Lord came to me, and Ezekiel said, I begin to record it. What do you people mean quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? About my people? About the purpose and destiny I have for them? And this was what they were quoting. The, patient, the parents eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now this proverb meant that what happened to the parents was going to be passed down to the children, would be passed down to the children because the parents messed up, the children were going to be messed up, and they were, this, that was the proverb. But the Lord goes on in verse 3, and He says, As surely as I live. Now, can you count on that? As surely as God lives? And we're not talking about a man here. We're talking about someone who created time, who's above and outside of time. And he says, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. Quit talking like this. He said, I'm not a God that wants to see it passed down from generation to generation to generation. He said, for everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. 
but both alike belong to me, and the one who sins is the one who will die. He says, I want, here's what I want. If you take a hammer and hit your thumb, then you're going to feel the pain of the hammer hitting your thumb and not your children having to feel the pain on their thumbs as well. That's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants this to be generational. The enemy wants this to go to your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren. He said, but I don't want that. So that tells me if God doesn't want it, he's making a way to break it. He's making a way for it to stop. He's making a way that the plan of the enemy does not succeed. Hallelujah. So so we need to rejoice in the fact that we don't have to suffer because of our parents or grandparents or those that are in authority over us has, has violated or suffered. We can be free. Come on, say it out loud. I can be free. Come on in faith and say, I am free. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the enemy wants to carry this pain from generation to generation, this pain of rejection. Uh, these uh, scientists did a study and they put uh, someone in an MRI and they were doing a test and they wanted them to recount as they were put through that MRI uh, what uh, uh, some, one of the latest or most recent scenarios where they felt rejected. And they were amazed that the part of the brain that comes alive when they would stick them with a pin, when they would cause physical pain, was the same exact part of the brain that came alive in this MRI when there was a recounting of rejection. So rejection is very painful. So we're not here to say that the spirit of rejection, it just comes in and it's just this uh, mental thing. Let me tell you what, it really causes pain. That's why the enemy uses it so much. Because we try to avoid pain. And if the spirit of rejection comes in, it can bully us and cause us to go its path to avoid pain. But the devil is a liar and our God is the truth. Amen? And we're going to hear the truth and be free. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 23, as a man thinks, so is he. So we got to get our thinking right so that we can get our uh, lives right. So we got to have our minds renewed with the Word of God. Amen? I shared with you last week about these three kinds of uh, this bullying spirit, this uh, rejection spirit. It comes in with a lying spirit. It causes, just generalization, three types of reactions to it. It causes three uh, responses in people. And that's the people that give in and they come under the control of the spirit of rejection uh, in a sense of uh, backing down and they become very compliant. They never have their opinion. They never, they never feel like they have any real value and they're just there not to be seen and not heard. That's the person that gives in. It's a smiley face on there, but that's the best graphic I can find. It shouldn't be a smiley face, but it's a fake smiley face. They're smiling, but they're not really uh, happy because they're not fulfilling the purpose and destiny that God has called them to because they're just surrendering. They're submitting. They don't want to feel the pain of rejection. So whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you want, that's what we'll have. And uh, that's the person that gives in. And then there's that person that builds up walls. They become very defensive. I don't know if you've ever met them. And you come up to that person and you, and, and you do anything. And they're very defensive. They're very walled. They don't let you in. They don't let you close. And uh, they, they don't necessarily uh, give in. And they don't necessarily fight back. But they just keep you at a distance. And they keep their parents at a distance. They keep their children at a distance. They keep their uh, so-called co-workers at a distance. Everybody's at a distance because they got this wall. Then there's this third type that responds, and that's the fighter. I don't know if you've ever met the fighter looking in the mirror or not, but the fighter, the one that's always got that word, that harsh word to come back, always got the punch, to really, the counter punch is always ready because they've been punched. Rejection hurts and they don't like it, so they're going to fight back, but they're fighting the wrong people because we wrestle not against flesh and blood 
but against principalities and these powers and these rulers of darkness, these spirits of rejection, is where the real battle should be taking place. But the enemy's tricked us and we're fighting people and that's causing even more problems in our life. So the enemy tries his best to get the spirit of rejection in us to have one of these three areas of our lives causing us to live a life that is not in the abundant life that God has for us. And he tries to get that spirit of rejection in as early as he can in our lives. He really uh, uh, targets children, uh, even babies. He targets them to try and cause, to try to get that spirit of rejection in. And then uh, there's things he'll use, uh, tragedies of life, a loss, an unexpected loss, a divorce or abuse of some sort, uh, abandonment, anything he can, he'll use as an open door to come in with that spirit of rejection. Now, are we here to deny that the abandonment wasn't there? No. Are we here to deny that the divorce didn't take place? No. Are we there here to deny that uh, you know, abuse didn't take place? No. We're not trying to deny any of that. We're just saying the enemy used those circumstances as openings to bring the spirit of rejection in us and become so familiar with us that we feel like that spirit of rejection is really who we are. We've got to identify that, and we've got to get that spirit of rejection dealt with in the name of Jesus so we can go forward and live this abundant life and this victorious life and this life that truly uh, fulfills the destiny God has for us. So let's give, get rid of that spirit of rejection because let me tell you what, the spirit of rejection care, uh, 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 travels alongside the spirit of lie, the lying spirit, because those two work hand in hand. And there brings in lots of bondages in our life. We did a little diagnosis uh, last time. And uh, in our diagnostics, we're not going to go through those circumstances. All of that's online recorded for you. But there is uh, the circumstances, the emotions, and the thoughts. Those are three areas the enemy really tries to come in. We dealt with and diagnosed those three areas to see maybe if you could identify maybe if a spirit of rejection was working in your life. But then, if a spirit of rejection is working in your life, let me tell you what, he does not want you to soar like an eagle. The spirit of rejection wants you to fall into a deep, deep hole, a place of bondage. He wants you in a deep pit. He wants you in a hard place, a place removed from the favor of God. And that's why we say uh, in the study of this that there are pitfalls, if you're not careful, there are pitfalls, these holes that you're going to fall into uh, if the spirit of rejection is allowed to do what he want or it wants to do in your life. I say we're going to take care of the spirit of rejection. I'm, I'm with God. When, uh, you know, when Ezekiel said, I heard the Lord say, and this is what God said, as surely as I live, this pattern's going to stop. It's going to stop. And I, I hear the heart of God saying with the spirit of rejection, let's identify it and stop it. Let's not allow this to continue in our lives and in our family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now here's some of the pitfalls. Let me tell you what a pitfall is not a good place to be. It's like this open hole. It's a cistern. It's a prison. It's a abode of the dead. It's a, a chasm. That's where this spirit of rejection wants to take you. Or maybe it has you tonight. But let me tell you what, we can be freed from that and let's not remain there anymore. Because when we experience rejection, let me tell you what, it takes us into this pit of emotional anguish and, and, and it's painful. Rejection is painful. We feel like our hearts have been taken out of our bodies, torn to pieces and cast into the abyss of the dead. Or, and, we, and if we're not careful, we get a very callous way of thinking. 
So, so since our way of thinking has been affected, then it affects the way we live our lives. I want us to identify some of these pitfalls. If you're there, we're going to help get you out tonight. You know, there was a man that fell in a hole and there was one that came and said, you know what, I, I pity you that you fell in this hole and he walks on by. There was another man walked there and says, you know what, if you'd been paying attention, you wouldn't have fallen in this hole and he walks on by. Another one comes up and says, I knew it. I knew somebody was going to fall in this hole and he walks on by. And so they keep coming and say, so they keep going. But there was one that came and his name was Jesus, and he says, I'm going to reach down, and I'm going to help you get up out of that hole. And you know what? We are to do what Christ did. Christ lifted us up out of the miry clay. Amen? He's lifted our lives up. Let us be free so we can help others be free as well. So let's see if we're in any of these pitfalls, and if so, let's get free tonight so we can go out and help others out of the pit that maybe this lying spirit and spirit of rejection has brought them into. Okay, the first pit I put up here is what I call a pit of incorrect concepts. Incorrect concepts. Where the enemy comes in and he, helps try, he tries to help define the circumstances and the situations uh, incorrectly in our lives. So we build upon these incorrect concepts. Uh, and, and one of them is our life was supposed to be like this. And now it's not, so otherwise there's, there's, there's a reason for it. We've been rejected. Why didn't God let our life be the way we thought it was? Or we think this is our concept of God, and the enemy wants to twist that and have a concept of God that is not true, so that when God does not respond to us or do for us exactly what we have this concept that He should do, we feel rejected by God. We bring this into marriage and we expect, we have this concept of marriage, that marriage is supposed to be like this, it's going to be perfect, there's angels singing every morning, there's never going to be any bad breath, nobody's hair is ever going to be out of place, it's just never going to be a challenge, and we have these incorrect concepts, and then when we get to in marriage, and marriage is a four-letter word, and it's W-O-R-K, it's work, it takes work, not that it's a bad thing, but any good thing you need to work at. Any good thing you need to work at, right? And if you have a concept that it's not going to take any work and that you're the perfect spouse and, and, and they're just going to, they're just going to appreciate the, the, the spouse they married and how their parents produced you, that they're just going to just never challenge you in any area, that's an incorrect concept. And when you have an incorrect concept about anything, what the enemy wants to do is wants you to feel personal rejection because it didn't work out the way you thought it was supposed to work out. Wow. So it sounds like the devil can really, he's got a, he's, he's playing with the uh, uh, stacked deck, you could say. He's, he's got all the jokers, he's got all the wild cards, and he can always flip it on us to make us feel like that something is wrong here and we are rejected. I'm here to tell you, in serving the Lord, I would love to tell you that you'll never have conflict, you'll never have a bad day, you'll never, you're just dancing or tiptoeing through the roses once you get saved. But that's an incorrect concept. If that's what you believe Christianity is, and it doesn't happen that way, it opens the door for a spirit of rejection to throw you into a pit and bind you there. In Psalms 34, 19, the Bible says, uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Did you get that? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. 1 Peter 3, 14, happy is the man that suffers for righteousness. 
So what he's trying to tell us is as you take on your covenant of righteousness and you take on your stance as a son or daughter of God, the enemy's going to target you. Now, you need a correct uh, concept of this battle or warfare that comes with Christianity. Jesus tells us in John 10.10, in a very simple format on that, He says, Satan has come but to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to take away from you. He's trying to do all of this. He said, but I've come to give life and life more abundant. So the abundant life is available, but the warfare is also part of the struggle. So we have to learn how to fight in this warfare, right? He's given us the armor and, and, and He's given us His Spirit and He's given us the sword of His Spirit, His Word, so that we can know how to fight in this warfare and not be defeated because He's already given us the victory if we'll go in His name, by His blood, and according to His precepts. But there's a battle we have to engage. So a lot of people I have met feel like God has rejected them because the devil got a pot shot or got a fiery dart into their life. And they feel like God's rejecting. Why did God allow this? Why did God do this to me? Let me tell you what, God didn't do that to you. We're in a battle. And that incorrect concept will cause you to feel God has rejected you when all along God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? But you've got to understand that, not lose your victory and lose your, uh, uh, con uh, you might would say, your confidence in who you are in Him. Amen? So this is just one of the ways the enemy gets you into that pit. Another one is, now that we've got this incorrect concept, things aren't working out the way we thought they should work out, boy, a spirit of anger comes in. Boy, when a spirit of anger comes in, you got trouble. There is jet fuel on the fire, if you might say it. So much so, God tells us, be angry and do not sin. He's not saying you shouldn't have the emotion of anger. You shouldn't have this uh, uh, indignation. But He says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Because if you hold on to this, he said this anger is an open door where the enemy's going to come in and get you into the pit. He's going to get you into that hole. He's going to get you into that chasm. He's going to get you that, into that abyss. And what happens is uh, we feel God is, uh, you know, if, if, if this incorrect concept with people or relationships or marriage or children or whatever. I've seen parents said, I thought I was going to have children. I was going to provide for them. They were going to rise up every day and call me blessed and they were going to serve and they were just never going to give me conflict and they were never going to uh, backtalk me. And I said, what planet did you get that from? You want to raise up a free thinker. You want to raise up someone who will call out to God to be their own personal Lord and Savior. Not make, you don't want to raise robots. And in that, there's got to be the free will and the flexibility. There, I says, where did you think there would never be any conflict? Now, Townsend, this is not a, a, a card for you to have conflict with us. But <laughs> he says, oh, do I have to come into every sermon? And uh, poor thing. But, but you're going to be dealing with situations where uh, you're going to be dealing with anger, and if you don't process it, we get what we call a negative feedback loop that takes place. Where, let's say, our concept of God is incorrect, and He doesn't operate according to our expectations, so we get angry with Him, and this negative circle of emotions take place. And that could be with your spouse, that could be with your children, that could be with your parents, that could be with your employer, that could be with your educators, that could be with uh, God. And boy, the enemy loves that because that, that emotional loop binds you, holds you into a pit, and you cannot go forward in all God has for you. 
There's another pit that we identify calling uh, rebellion. When that anger is not dealt with from those incorrect uh, concepts, it leads to rebellion. And Deuteronomy 20, 26 says, But you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. We rebel against each other, but any authority that we're rebelling against and rebelling against the authority over us, we eventually are rebelling against the very command of God. We're rebelling against God Himself. Let me tell you what, when you get into that spiral and that anger leads into rebellion, you would think that's the pit and that's as deep as it goes. No, it goes even deeper than that. Because now out of that you go into the depth of the pit, which we call complaining. And that's where you're murmuring and you're complaining. You're complaining against God. You're complaining against your parents. You're complaining against your authority. You're complaining against your employer. You're complaining against your teacher. You're complaining against the officers. You're complaining against uh, political authorities. You're complaining against any and everybody. That's just this, the work of the enemy. And the Lord does not, the Bible says, does not take great delight in our murmuring, in our complaining. He said in Deuteronomy 20, 27, and ye murmured in your tents. So they thought God couldn't hear them. And God says, I heard your murmur. I heard your complaining coming out of your tent. Has God heard any complaining coming out of your house? Because his ear hears the complaining and he sees that that is part of what the spirit of rejection binds us and drags us into this pit and calls us out of our life. How many of you love, you just love spending time with a complainer? Anybody love? You, you just look forward to going out to dinner with a murmurer. God doesn't either. So why are we doing it? We need to be careful. It, if we are murmuring and, and given to complaining about everything, we need to check and see whether we are in the pit of a spirit of rejection has got us bound and let us be freed from it in Jesus' name. Because let me tell you what, you think that complaining makes you feel better, it really makes you feel worse. Because it drags you even deeper into a pit of discouragement. It takes you further down to where you are discouraged. You lose your courage and you go into discouragement. In Luke 21, 19, he said, By your patience possess your souls. So he's saying that uh, discouragement is the realm where Satan takes control. And if you know, so you think the incorrect concept was a bad, it was, but because it was taking you into anger, giving into anger. And you think anger was bad, it's giving into rebellion now. And you think rebellion's bad, it's dragging you into complaining. You think complaining's bad, it's dragging you down to discouragement, ripping the very courage out of your soul. And from your, by your patience, you possess your souls. But if you lose your patience, the, you're going to lose your soul. And the scripture talks about those that, uh, 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 Job, I think it was, says, all my appointed time I was going to wait for my change to come uh, as my patience endured because I would not give in to discouragement. Joseph, uh, Job said, I saw what the enemy was doing. He was trying to get me discouraged so he could get my soul. Did you know that? Discouragement is a dangerous place to be in. Because you're offering up, you're, you're giving uh, the keys to your soul to the devil. And we should not in any way want that. Amen. So once that happens, the devil now is messing with your soulish realm. He's going to take you into a further pit of doubt. That's where you go further, into doubt. 
And let me tell you what, when you become doubtful, you feel like you can never get out of a situation. You feel like now everything is, has more power, more control, and more authority over you. you know, even though you've gone through the wilderness for 40 years like the, like the uh, Israelites did and they had their shoes not wear out, had their clothes not wear out, they were hungry and bread fell from heaven, they were thirsty, water came in the middle of the wilderness out of a rock. All of this is taken care of, yet they'd seen the plagues, they'd seen themselves come out of 400 years of bondage, into, but they yet doubted. They yet doubted because all of this took place in the wilderness and now they doubted that God could take them into the promised land. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They had been discouraged. They lost their courage and the enemy had messed with their souls. Now they're seeing themselves outside of the creative order of God and now they're doubting. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if the enemy can get you into doubt, he gets you out of faith so now you can't be pleasing to the Lord because without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. So the enemy has a plan. And I'm just trying to show that to you. Because that doubt will then lead right into what's called fear. That word phobos, fear. Where the enemy now is controlling you from the inside. He is, he's manipulated. He's lied to you. He's made you feel rejected. He's told you you weren't loved. He's done all these things to get you into this pit, drawing further and further to the bottom, taking you further and further down, to now he's got you with a spirit of fear that is ruling your life. And that spirit of fear, that phobos comes in and it affects you socially because now you have a social fear. It affects you with uh, every area of life because you don't have confidence to do what God has put you here to do. Now the devil runs over you. The devil pulls up into town and says, shut up, get inside, shut your door. You're not going to enjoy your backyard. Then you run inside, shut the door, and you don't enjoy your backyard. He, he rules your life. And, and that is not how God created you. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given you this spirit of fear, but He's given you power, dunamis. He's given you power and love and a sound or disciplined mind. So we can't allow this spirit of rejection to take us opposite of what God has for us. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of rejection pulls us into the pit of fear. And then there's a final one that I've listed is hopelessness. Hopelessness. And if you lose your hope, then you have nothing to aim your faith at. Your faith is, you have no target anymore because you have no hope. Their faith is a substance of things what hope for. Hopelessness is the pit where you give up. Where, where all your dreams and aspirations, they're gone. You give up on yourself and you give up on others and you give up on God. And it's at that place where the enemy can lie to you with that lying spirit and say you'd be better off dead. And there are people that have given in to that spirit and acted on it. And there's others who are living as, as what living as dead people, zombies, you might would say. Just, that's not, there's no real zombies, okay? Just want to make sure I'm not theologically teaching you. There are no zombies. But you become like the living dead. You're still alive, but you've lost all hope. You're just existing. You're not living. Well, let me tell you what. Jesus came to take our rejection upon himself and to make the opportunity for a divine transfer. Jesus came and negotiated the best deal on planet earth for you and me. He says, I see what sin has done. 
it opened the pits of hell and the spirits of rejection and the spirits of lying and the spirit of fear and the spirit of bondage and all these spirits have come and the spirit of rejection has drug you down into the lowest of the pit. He said, but I'm going to come and fight your battle for you. I'm going to come and do for you what you can't do for yourself. And if you'll place your faith in what I've done for you, then what I've accomplished is yours. It's called a divine transfer. And we see in Isaiah 53 and 5, he says, He is despised and rejected of men. Here's God who created men. Here's God who created mankind, who could have done and said anything. He could have called on a thousand angels. He could have called on ten thousand of angels. He could have just spoke the word, whatever he wanted to do. And he could have destroyed the whole population of the earth. He was not in any way required to be subject to the very creation he created. But in order to come and make this divine transfer possible and available to you and me, he allowed himself to be despised and rejected of men. He allowed the spirit of rejection to come on him and the despisement that came on him. He was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief and we hid him as he, we, it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now that is straight what Jesus came to do. He came to take that spirit of rejection. He came to take it on Himself. But let me tell you what, when He took it on, He's showing us how it can be dealt with. Hallelujah. He took on the curse and defeated the curse and took the keys to death, hell, and grave, the Bible says, and all authority, the Bible says. He defeated the foe. The Bible says in Colossians that he, was, he drugged the enemy through the streets like a conquered a, a, a king, and he drug him through the streets, and at the end they had a parade, and they cut off his thumbs, and they cut off his big toes, so that, and this is a, a practice of that day, and, and Paul is writing, and he says, this is what Jesus did. He came and took the devil out. He took him off of his throne. He took him out of his conquering ability and, and drug him as a prisoner of war down the street behind his chariot at the end of the street. And this was very practicing that day, cutting off their thumbs, cutting off their toes. They would never run leading in battle ever again. And they would never be able to use a sword fighting in battle ever again. And Jesus, Paul says, that's what Jesus did to the devil. When he came in as a man, the devil, for some reason or other, the devil is so prideful, he's stupid. He is absolutely stupid. He knows enough of the word to twist the word to his own advantage, but the word, if he would have believed the word, he would have left that baby alone. He would have never tried to kill that baby uh, when he was trying to kill all the babies because, you know what, he would have left him alone. He'd have left him alone when he tried to crucify him. He would have gotten this kill Jesus out of his mind because he said, I'm going to take Jesus on. And let me tell you what, the devil did take Jesus on, but we see that who came out of the the tomb on the third day who is alive and who has been ascended on high and who's sitting at the right hand of the father interceding for us today who has it sent his spirit to dwell not only among us but in us and to flow through us and empower us let me tell you what he came and met the devil and this rejection and this despisement he met it these sorrows he took it right head on so that he tells us in Galatians 3 there 13 and 14 that now Christ has redeemed us from the curse 
curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He did all of that for you and me so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, even the Gentiles who were out of covenant. He came in and made a special provision clause that I'm bringing those Gentiles in in the covenant as well. I'm bringing them in as well, grafting them into the vine so that what I've done can be theirs as well. Hallelujah. So he became a curse for us, for cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Jesus did not sin to have the spirit of rejection come on him. Jesus did not lie to have the spirit of rejection come on him. Jesus was not born with sin to have the spirit of rejection on him. So in order to fight this curse and take it upon himself, he had a loophole in the law that anyone hung on a tree, a curse comes upon him. So Jesus sinless so that his blood can redeem us, so that his uh, 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 everything he did on his way to Calvary could be a part of our redemption plan. Hallelujah. All the seven places he shed his blood is ours. Hallelujah. He did all that so his blood was pure, but he still had to take our curse on head on. So he hung, let them hang him on a tree. See, they tried, the crowd tried to, remember when he first started his ministry, the crowd, the devil got in the crowd and said, let's throw him off of this cliff. And they went to throw him off of the cliff and he was gone. He disappeared. They couldn't find him. You think Jesus was afraid of dying? No. He said, no one takes my life. I give it freely. So it wasn't he was afraid of dying, but he's like, You're not gonna, I'm not going to die falling off this roof. I mean, falling off this cliff. And, and there was beating him on the, on the, uh, uh, with the cat of nine tails on that whipping post there. The Bible says as they were whipping him there, uh, so many men died. They could not withstand the, the torture and the pain and the stress and the trauma uh, that would take place on the body. And, 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 and it would just, it would just die from the pressure of it all. But Jesus, let me tell you what, he wasn't going to die on that whipping post. He wouldn't, and then when he had to carry that cross even when he couldn't carry that cross and someone else was carrying it for him, he's still walking up to Calvary because he's going to hang on that tree. He's going to hang on that tree so that you and I here in May 2017 don't have to live in a pit that the spirit of rejection put us in. That we can come up out of that pit. We can be free. We can be in all He's created us to be. So He took on the curse by becoming a curse for us. For cursed is He who hangs on a tree. So that you can get up out of that pit and have the blessing of Abraham on you. Hallelujah! What an ex exciting exchange He has for us. Praise God. Praise God. So let's put some action to it. Amen? All He's done for us, let us put some action to it. Here's our action steps. Number one, we need to take it to God in prayer. We need to take it to God in prayer. Have you been rejected? If you've lived five minutes on planet Earth, you've probably come against, the spirit of rejection has come against you. So it's not if you've had to deal with the spirit of rejection. You have. Has the spirit of rejection uh, got you into a pit? Has the spirit of rejection with that spirit of lying come in and deceived you and got you off track and caused pain in your life? Your mother rejected you. Your father rejected you. Society's rejected you. Your employer rejected you. The school rejected you. Your coach rejected you. Your sibling rejected you. It just goes right away. The devil doesn't give up. 
He's going to use, he's going to keep using everything he can, even if it's an inappropriate concept. It's a concept that you were expecting it to be one way and it wasn't that way. You expected your marriage to go this way and, and it didn't go that way. And oh, now you've got to let the spirit of rejection come in. We need to take it to the Lord in prayer. He tells us in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to tell Him what's bothering you. He wants you to tell Him what's on your heart. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then secondly, realize this re that rejection often carries unforgiveness towards those who have offended you. The devil wants you to get into an offense. He wants you to take up an offense where you're holding unforgiveness. Let me tell you what, that's a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. That's a dangerous place to be. You say, but I'm not going to let this person go. They hurt me. I know you were in an MRI. They did a study. Rejection was the same spot of the brain illuminated as physical pain. It hurts. I understand that. But what's going to hurt even worse is you to violate the Word of God and violate the will of God and continue to let this spirit that brought the pain keep dragging you further and further into a pit. So you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive the offender. Jesus says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Look at what verse 15 says. But if you do not forgive your your, their, uh, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So you're stuck. You can't have the divine transfer unless you do it God's way. And God says, if I forgave you when you knew not what you were doing, you've got to come to me with forgiveness in order for the divine transfer to be fully yours. It can't. It's kind of like, uh, I, I don't know why I like Judge Judy. My mom's Judy. And my mom was Judge Judy. What she said went, boy, she was good. And, uh, but, you know, and Judge Judy, she says some things to folks sometimes. I'm like, I wish I could have said that. But with a pastoral anointing, you can't talk to people quite like that. But sometimes you want to you do some things like that, okay? And, uh, <laughs> but she's got this thing that, you know, I'm, I'm getting my law degree through Judge Judy. And, uh, and I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But, you know, in that she says, you can't come to court with dirty hands. She says, okay, you're suing this person here who has, has uh, not given you the money for the car that really was purchased for them, but you paid for it, but you put it in your name because they had a DUI or their license was revoked so, and the insurance would, couldn't get no insurance on it, couldn't get it registered. You put it in your name, so now it's in your name and you come in here looking like it's your car, but they really paid for it. Now they're suing you because you won't pay them back because now that it was in your name, you want to take the car. But it really wasn't your car. And, and y'all coming into me with dirty hands. She, she says, you, you, you can't, you can't do something illegal and then come to court and, and want us to fix it for you. She laughs about it. She's like, it's like you said, I'll give you such and such grams of pot or cocaine or whatever and, uh, and you just pay me on a payment plan $500 a week. And now they're not paying you. You can't come to court and sue them for that $500 that they owe you for the cocaine that they loaned to you or, or gave to you on credit or whatever. She said, that's coming to court with uh, uh, dirty hands. She said, you've got to come with clean hands. It's the same way with forgiveness. 
you come before the throne of God and it's a graceful throne. It's the grace of God flowing, but it all comes out of a God who forgave us while we were yet cursing His name, while we were yet sinners. He was forgiving us and He says, this, this throne is established upon forgiveness. And if you come in here holding unforgiveness and holding someone else in bondage uh, to the demonic realm, thinking that we're going to give you the favor of the divine realm while you're yet holding them in bondage. He said, I got a parable for you. He said, this is a parable. Someone owed a million dollars. And when they came to, they couldn't pay, the one who was owed said, I'm going to forgive you of the million dollar debt. Now you just go and be blessed. And then you go and someone owed you a dollar. And you go and beat them. You go and get Bubba. Right, Bubba, that's not a good name. You get Bruno, the Bruno, <laughs> where I'm from, where I'm from, down in South Carolina. We had some Bubbas that could take care of. I don't know what their real name was, but they were called Bubba. But Bruno, uh, well, we got the Brunos. They're not here tonight. Okay, I better be careful. Okay, you got Sylvester. Okay, and... Uh, that, that comes in and says, it's time for us to relocate your knees, okay? And we're going to twist and turn until your feet are walking backwards because you've not paid on time. Let me tell you what, you can't do that, Jesus said. This guy owed you a dollar and you're really ready to, to, to punish him and do all this stuff. So in the parable, the one who had forgiven the million comes back, brings him in, said, you wicked and evil uh, man, and, and puts it all back on him saying that the grace transfer is not yours if you're not willing to let it flow through you. The grace transfer, you're disqualified if you don't let it flow through you. So you got to forgive the offender. And then you got to move quickly to the third one and receive forgiveness as the offended. Because until you receive forgiveness, the next thing you're going to do, the devil has an open door to keep bringing this wound back again. And, and that's taken right from what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14 and 15 again. And then, when you do this, what the devil's going to do now is he's losing his grip, so he, he's going to use whatever, whatever option he has. So what he's going to do is all those uh, years or months that you've lived under that spirit of rejection, he's going to replay in your mind negative thoughts. So once you forgive the offender, receive the forgiveness of God as the offended... Now, you've got to take captive your negative thoughts. You've got to take captive the negative thoughts. You've got to take, you've got to take. Look at somebody say, he's talking to you. Tell me, he's talking to you. You've got to take, I can't take them for you. You've got to take the negative captive's thought. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For our weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So now when these negative thoughts, the devil says, you were never loved. You've got to pull it down to the obedience of Christ. It says, in Christ, I am the loved of God. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am a son, a daughter. So you, you cast the negative thought down. You can't let it just run its uh, a, a, a regular path in your mind. You've got to take authority over those negative thoughts. Amen? And then you've got to override those, with those lies with the truth of God's Word. And, and that kind of goes hand in hand. It's not step one, step two. It's hand in hand. You take the thought negative, that negative thought captive, and then you override it. You override it with the Word of God. 
and, uh, you know, and, and don't allow the enemy to continue. Uh, you are a child of God. You're, you can just say, I am a child of God. I'm one of His favorites. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. You're telling me I don't have anything, but I have inherited all things with Him. I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You think, you're trying to tell me I'm defeated? No. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm more than an overcomer. I have the Holy Spirit of God within me. Hallelujah. I have the kingdom of God within me, the Bible says. I have the mind of Christ, and I'm a partaker of his divine nature and I always triumph in Christ you just take the word and override what the devil has been saying so that you can do it they tell me with these computer guys and I know all of these folks probably up in the sound and and uh, audio and all this fancy equipment up there understand this but when you erase something in your computer it's never really gone that space may not be seen uh, to your natural eye, but it's still there, and those who know how can recover it. It is only gone when you're putting something new on that computer, and it needs space, and it finds this uh, temporarily def uh, uh, deleted thing, which is just whitewashed, basically, and then it overrides it, takes that space and puts something new there. Then what you thought was deleted is gone. And I think that's a good picture of how our minds work because our minds is what God used to help us build these computers is that whatever the devil keeps going on our head until we can say, I just, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Okay, that's like deleting it, but it's still kind of there. You need to override it with the truth of God. You need to put new information in your mind. You need to discipline your mind with the Word of God so that it overrides it. So now when you stomp your toe... You, you're not cussing. Right? You were telling me something recently, I think. He's like, oh, you, Townsend said, I was there when you, was it the toolbox? When I dropped the toolbox on my toe. He said, I know my dad's saved. My dad's, we, he's practicing what he preaches. He said, because when that toolbox hit your toe and it went flat, he says, if there was any cussing in you, it would have come out. And he said, you're going around going, and praying in the Spirit and all. And uh, we were just talking about this uh, this weekend, I think it was. We were laughing. It's funny after it's over. Whoo, it didn't, it wasn't funny when it went and when it happened. But uh, it took about three years for all that to heal back and all. But nonetheless, that was something else, man. So you got to override it. Let me tell you what, I used to have some cussing in me. I grew up around cussing, and as a kid, I'd get mad, and I'd growl, and I'd, under my breath, cuss. Do you know one, the worst spanking I think I ever got from my mama, Judge Judy? I mean, Miss Judy. And it was over one of the stupidest things. But I just, I just had a spirit of rejection on me. That spirit of rejection actually took me to the place of, of attempted suicide. I'm telling you, it takes you into the bottomless pit and destroys your life. I had this spirit of rejection on me, and we came home from school, and my, we were hungry. And mom said, y'all can heat up a can of soup, you know, Campbell's concentrated or condensed soup. And uh, you take it, and then you put water in it, and you know, it doubles, right? You take it, open it, chicken noodle soup, and then you put a can, you fill it up with water, and put it in, so it doubles it. And uh, so... I, my, I, I put it on and got it. We were young. I was probably 10, 9 or 10, I don't know. And, uh, and I put it on the stove, and uh, it was warming up. And then my brother comes in. He's a year older than me. Now, my brother is a character. 
If he was here, he would tell you that he, he was called by God to test me in all areas to see if I was going to make it to be a preacher or not. And he still thinks that's funny. I don't think that was funny, but that was my life. And, uh, and he's a jokester, and he's a flamboyant, and he's just, he's just a lot of fun. I'm telling you, he's always fun to have around, uh, except when he was testing me. But uh, everybody else thought it was funny what he was doing to me. But nonetheless, uh, he came in, and as soon as it was heated up, and he comes in, and, and, and I had two bowls set there, and he takes and pours a little bit of juice in the one bowl and then fills the other bowl up with all the noodles and stuff that was settled to the bottom. And he grabs the bowl with all the noodles, and he, and he goes to eat. And I said, no, 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 get back here. I'm the one put this on. Let's do it. And I'm, I'm by the law. I had to really get delivered from the law because I'm by the law. I'm like, we can count the noodles if you want to and make sure this thing's even. even. He says, he says, ain't going to do it. And he spit in his soup. And he's like, you ain't getting none of this. And uh, so I run to Judge Judy. I mean, Miss Judy, my mom. And I run to mom and I say, mama, like a whining little brat, you know, mama, Jim got more soup than me. And she said, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was basically, grow up, go eat your soup, be quiet. And that thing hurt me so bad. I'm into MRI and that part of my brain of pain came alive. And oh, I grew up around cussing, and I that had cussing in me, but I knew I couldn't cuss around Judge Judy. So I go outside, and this was back before we had AC. And I went outside, and she had a car sitting out there, and I started kicking the back tire, cussing every word I'd ever heard cuss before, saying everything I'd ever heard that was bad. I was just a cussing up a storm. Now, because we didn't have air conditioning, and this was uh, the summertime, the windows were up, and my mom was cleaning in the room with the window right by the car. So she heard all of this. And then when I come up the back doorstep, she meets me there, coming up the back doorstep with the switch. And or I think, or switch or belt, maybe it was a belt that time. And, uh, and I'm like, why? I was just as innocent. I went from being a cuss, cursor, cusser, cusser, yeah, to being the most innocent thing. I was like falling snow, fresh falling snow. What? What have I done? And, uh, and she made me lay across the steps. Now, she was never one that really kind of, she always had a very good control about spanking. But let me tell you what, she beat the cuss out of me that day. Amen. I learned that ain't the way to go. That ain't the way to go. So Townsend, thank God I'd overwritten all that stuff with the Word of God because when that toolbox fell, it's a toolbox about that high, Craftsman toolbox fell full of tools and sent over and, and on my toe. Man, I used to know how to really put on a show there. But I was speaking in tongues and calling on angels and calling on the anointing and calling on healing power. and I was calling all that stuff that I've overrode all that bad stuff. So we got we to gotta work at it. It didn't happen overnight. We got to work at it. Amen. So you got to uh, override the lie with the truth of God's word. And uh, when you do that, then you'll find when the enemy comes against you, he doesn't have anything in you. If he doesn't have anything on you, then it's not going to have any effect in your life. And that's how we want to get our disciples, you as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, living to where that shield of faith is so accurate that it's quenching every fiery dart of the enemy. And it's not getting into the inner man and bringing destruction and bringing anything that's going to bring you down. 
So remember that pit that I was talking about, that incorrect concept about life, that incorrect concept about marriage, that incorrect concept about longevity, that incorrect long, uh, uh, concept about working in any area of life. Let me tell you why. Don't let the devil cause you to give him an opening because you had an incorrect concept about life. And then if you got that incorrect concept about life, you feel rejection, then you get angry. And the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger, on your wrath. It needs to be dealt with. And if you hold on to that anger, you're going to rebel against God. And if you rebel against God, one of the ways you're, you can litmus test your rebellion is now you become a complainer. If you're rebelling against your parents, you complain about your parents. If you're rebelling against your teachers, you're complaining about your teachers. If you're rebelling against the government, you're complaining about your government. If you're rebelling against God, you're complaining about the circumstances and the situations in your life. So do a litmus test with your tongue and see if there's a lot of murmuring and complaining coming off. Because if you allow it, it's going to bring a spirit of discouragement in. It's taking you further and further into this pit, this abyss, this abyss of death. It's trying to pull you in. And that discouragement then opens up for uh, a doubt to come in. And boy, when that doubt comes in, you get out of faith. Now you are, you are basically the punching bag of the devil. He can do anything he wants to. He can rape, he can ravage, he can steal, he can do anything he wants to against you, and you're just there because now you don't, you don't have faith because you're in doubt, which causes you to go further into that fear, that phobos. Now you're afraid of everything. You're afraid to, to have a close relationship. You're afraid to move on. You're afraid of this. You're afraid of that because that's what these spirits do, which drags you to the bottom of that pit of hopelessness. And when you get in that place of hopelessness, let me tell you what, there's such a... A, a void, a numbness, a, 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 an absence of the very love and favor of God and the plan of God. It's such a, such a dark place. But you don't have to live there. Maybe you're at a hopeless place tonight and the devil's trying to bring in those final words to get you to just check out. Be so much better off if you just were dead. You need to start rising up out of that pit. And you say, God's got a plan for me. God's got a purpose for me. And I'm not going to give my life away to you, devil. I'm not going to give my life away to hell. My life is, I'm going to live it on purpose. And you start facing that fear that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And I'm rising up out of this pit. And I take my faith back and I place my faith in God that there are going to be sunnier days and there's going to be brighter days and there's going to be victory outside of this pit and there's going to be freedom outside of this pit. And then you're, you will find courage will begin to rise back up in you. And that courage will cause you rather than to complain that you'll start speaking about these positive things. You'll start speaking about victory and you'll start speaking about anointing and you'll start speaking about the God who's in you that's greater than anything that can come against you. And then you'll find that spirit of rebellion will fly, flee out of your life. He'll run, he'll run. Because now you're committing yourself to God and His purpose and His will for your life. And, and, and if God has authorities over you, you're going to see the good in those authorities and how God is using them to help you move up. And that anger has no place. Joy that comes, joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's all tied in, uh, coming in. Because, and 
then God will help you correct the incorrect concepts you had so that you can go on in life in relationship with your parents, in relationship with your children, relationship with your grandchildren, relationship with authorities over you in a healthy and positive way. That's how God wants you to live. But we have to do our part. So I gave you a few action points, and I pray that you took notes and that you are willing to do that as we go forth out of this place tonight, no longer allowing the spirit of rejection to have its way in your life. No longer allowing that spirit to control anymore, cause pain anymore, knowing that Jesus took on your rejection and there's a divine transfer available to you right now in Christ Jesus that by faith what, what was yours can become His and what is His can become yours. He'll take your rejection if you'll give it to Him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's say, God, I give it to you. I'm not going to live with this rejection anymore. This isn't your plan for my life. This is the demonic plan of hell. And I'm not going to say, Lord, I give it to you. And I receive your acceptance, Lord God. I receive your love, Lord God. I receive your healing, Lord God. That divine transfer, I receive it right now as I place my hope, my faith, and my trust in you, Jesus. Why do we celebrate and praise and worship and sing and dance for Jesus so much? Because of what Jesus has done for us. When you realize what He has done for you, you have no qualms about coming in and praising Him and worshiping Him and loving on Him, do you? Because He's a good, good God. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Lord, we just stand in Your presence now, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you that what we couldn't do, Lord, you've done for us. And if the enemy had his way, he would take us everyone to, to the abyss of discouragement and suicide or living a lifeless life here on earth. Lord, he would have his way in us being miserable, us being lonely, us being in, living in pain. But Lord, I thank you the devil's not in charge. You're in charge. And you made a way where there seemed to be no way. And Lord God, the way you've made, Lord, you said you're the only way, the only way. Lord, we come to you because your way is good. Your way is great. And we come to you now. And Lord, we identify the spirits of rejection, the spirits of lies, the spirits of fear, the spirits of everything that the enemy has brought into our lives. We, re we realize, we recognize these, but we come before your throne. Just tell him right now, come before your throne for a divine transfer. And in this transfer, Jesus, I, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to surrender my life to you. That's what has to happen at this divine transfer. At the court of God, this is what has to happen. You have to come and say, Jesus, I make you Lord. I'm giving you the keys to my life. I'm giving you the plans to my life. I'm giving you the past. I'm giving you the present. And I'm giving you my future. I want to live my life for you. I don't want to live my life for me. I don't want to live my life for anybody else. I want to live my life for you. So I'm giving you the keys and I'm putting you in the driver's seat and I'm going to say not my will, but thy will be done. That's going to become my regular response to you, Lord. Not my will, but thy will be done because I want to fulfill your will for my life. And in this divine transfer now, Lord, is I give you the keys to my life and I give you my heart and I give you my mind and I give you my plans and I give you everything. Lord God, I want to surrender to your will for my life. And as I surrender now, Lord God, and I give you these, Lord, I also receive in this transfer freedom 
from the spirit of rejection. Freedom from the spirit of lies, this lying spirit. Freedom from this spirit of fear. Freedom. I receive freedom, Lord. So I, I, I cast my cares upon you. I cast these weighty things upon you because you care for me. You've made a plan. So I'm giving them to you and I'm receiving in their place your love, your word, your acceptance, your plan. Lord, I'm receiving your spirit and I'm receiving you, Jesus, as King of kings and Lord of lords. So the divine transfer, I'm here and I make that with you now, Lord, that from this day forward, men can call me a Christian because my life is dedicated and consecrated to be Christ-like because I've yielded my life to you. So Lord, I call on you to do what I can't do in this divine transfer, to set me free, to heal my broken heart, to bring a, a joy back into my life and replace that, that sadness and that sorrow to bring freedom into my life and to purge out that uh, uh, addictions that are in my life. Things that have been binding me. Things that have been causing me great pain. Things that have been hurting me. Things that have been holding me back. There's been substance abuse. There's been relational abuse. Lord, there's been so many bondages, but Lord, I receive your freedom. Just tell them right now, I receive your freedom. Lord God, you set me free. Set me free. You came to set the captives free, Lord. Set me free. Just tell him, I've been captive, Lord, for too long. Say, Lord, I've been captive, Lord, for too long. Set me free. Hallelujah. And he whom the Son sets free, the Bible says, is free indeed. So, Lord, I just pray for each and every person here tonight, Lord God. Lord, that as we, would, as we have gone through the exercise and we've gone through the, 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 the steps here, Lord God, of, of, of entering into this divine exchange, Help us, Holy Spirit, now seal this truth. So we need you, Holy Spirit. We know that the fowl of the air is ready to steal this word as the birds of the air stole the seed that the farmer sowed. We know that's ready to happen. But God, we know that you, Holy Spirit, will seal us until the day of redemption. Seal this word into our spirit. Seal this word into our soul. Seal this word into our mind. Lord God, that the enemy will not rob it, but will hold on to the truth. And we'll override the lie with the truth as we go through the days ahead. So, Lord, we're going to live our lives for you, for your glory, and for your honor as we go in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, amen and Amen. Hallelujah.